You call it. Uh, tails. Siri, flip a coin. What a worthless piece of technology. Hey, Cortana, flip a coin. Oh my it's God. tails. Tails, she says. <laughs> Wait, what did you call? I forgot. Tails, I called tails. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, pressure's on now. Hello and welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lilja and with me is Chase Musil and Ian Fuchs. So Chase, I heard you got your account hacked last night. <laughs> yeah, it's not a pleasant experience. It was the it was my Sony PlayStation Network account. And I don't if you guys have you guys experienced this before? I assume you've both been like you know, in air quotes hacked, right? Uh no. Uh, no. <laughs> you mean like, Seriously? like like the middle school Facebook hacking sort of thing? No, like no, like the like somebody who's running a server farm in Russia, like brute forced your password on a random service. You've never had this happen. Negative, no, because I use passwords that are longer than three characters. Oh, that's true. I gotta get. Yeah, that's right. I've been. It's been on my to do list. Yeah. It's like one is get milk. Two is change all passwords from cat to dog. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, sorry, cat one. That's nobody will guess it. So for a long time, my password was just Bob, and then to really throw things off, I just did it backwards. <laughs> you are a sly devil. <laughs> so, but seriously, you guys have never gone through this experience before. No, no, this has never okay. happened to me. So this has happened to me. Um, it's not. It's not like a regular occurrence by any means. But um, I've gone through it. I think once with eBay, and um, once, and then once more severely with a Warcraft account. So those three times, I think. That, that sounds terrible. Never had to go through this. The, the Warcraft so, account, man. I'm surprised you have had it happen to you before. Okay, so the work, so the Warcraft account um, that is terrible when it's your life, <laughs> when when you have oh, however many hundreds of days played on your character, you're like, no, I have to raid. Um, <laughs> but so what happened? That all. Okay, so to quickly summarize the Warcraft hacking, man, this is a while ago. Um, the you, it used to be before they had two factor authentication, you would just have username password, and um, what what you would end up doing is sharing like especially sorry sorry Blizzard you would share your credentials to your guildmates this is super common practice that way if people needed to create a particular item or something that your character had a specific skill set for they could log on and do that so I was afraid it was that was the source it turns out it was not related to that or at least not that I can identify maybe somebody else who had logged in somebody had like gotten my username so then once my username was discovered I assume I'm on less like fast track brute force list because if they know your username then it's like you just figure out the password um Otherwise, the username is a mystery to everybody because it's not your email address. <clears throat> and so with Warcraft, got hacked, lost control of my account. They changed the password on you. And the worst is when you see it happen in real time, which that one I caught also in real time. And you're like, no, it's being changed. No. And they change it right before you can. And that's a pain. And then you're crying and mad. So I called Blizzard. And the way to reset that was to I had to have my mom go upstairs in the closet and find my original World of Warcraft box, which I kept, wow. and the serial number on that was able to authenticate that I was the original account. Wow. Oh my god, wow. And that and that supersedes all the secret questions and all that other stuff, so that was a huge pain in the butt, and I got it all back, but that was just a massive nightmare um, because it's like waiting, waiting, and then in the meantime, so the other thing that happens to you in Warcraft, which is like pretty amazing is if you used to play and, and this was not uncommon practice was somebody would log on and you'd message them right like so we'll say that ian logs on i'm like hey what's up man and you don't reply or say hey are we gonna you want to go run a quick run of you know we're gonna hop an mc tonight or whatever or you're gonna get an mc raid or whatever you want to say 
and you wouldn't reply or you'd reply with busy, sorry. And then I'd see you in Ironforge. And so I'd physically go to your location and I would see you at the bank. And generally speaking, you would be naked and at the, or at the mailbox. And if you were naked at the mailbox, it meant it was a pretty good chance that someone who hacked your account had mailed anything that was not BOP, meaning it was not mm. bound to your character. Mm-hmm. And everything that was bound to your character, they had taken to the vendor, sold for the default amount of gold, and then mailed the gold off to themselves. <laughs> so you'd be naked and penniless oh, when you'd log back into your account. That was really common. <laughs> I feel like the creative hacker would uh, just give you a barrel to wear afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, I, think, I think there's some that probably put some, like, stupid outfits on but yeah it was amazing so me, we actually had one hacker like join our raid and play for a while and then sell all the characters oh <laughs> my god see that's the long con that's the social engineering that you do for this sort of thing and it seems to me seriously it's that, a perfect way of doing it especially if it's sop to give people your passwords and account information like there's your yeah, critical exactly. security flaw right there right right yep anyway that's a big that's a big problem but that just sounds recently, like terrible practice i don't i don't <laughs> i, I can't like, think like you know, why would why would i give someone my account like if if you need something from me, why don't you just ask for it? I guess, but right. I, yeah, I don't play the game, so I don't. It's not a thing that I understand it, either. Yeah, it was like people needed stuff immediately, or like you'd go on vacation and your character was the one who was making a specific type of potion, or you're the one who made a. Spe- you could craft a particular jewel. Oh god, like, it would be very rare, right? Or sometimes, sometimes even worse, only a single character or a few characters would receive an item, and that item would be the key to actual content. So like you'd need that character there to open content. And so you'd need things like that. That's garbage. Um, which is why you generally entrusted that with like a raid leader or somebody who you know was always going to be there. But anyway, so last night at like 10 o'clock, I got an email that said, thanks for your purchase of, okay, so I should pull it up, but it's something essentially like, thanks for your purchase of NBA 2K16, 300,000 VCs. I was like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I went downstairs calmly and I asked Sarah, Sarah, are you playing NBA 2K16? <laughs> And we don't own that game, so I was I had assumed the answer was no, and she looked at me, you know, lost. So anyway, knew that was a problem. And I assume that people buy credits for NBA 2K16, which is a game that I don't own, for the record, right? So, like, I don't... I guess you can probably go into the PlayStation Store and buy credits, in-game credits, even if you don't own the game, apparently. That seems so, like a weird weird thing, but maybe. Yeah, like, what do you do with it? I have to assume that's, you know, that's what they did. And then my second assumption is that they're able to sell or send the credits like across accounts otherwise there's no reason right so you're like gifting them to somebody you have to be and i don't even i've never played nba 2k16 so i don't know how that works but my assumption is that he gifted it to himself or you know herself or whatever so then i've got 75 dollars worth of nba 2k16 credits like gone and so i go to my pay the first thing i do is i try to log into my my playstation account to obviously change the password or and or detach my paypal because i have my paypal attached to it for my recurring subscription and once in a blue moon I'll buy a PlayStation game and um, I go on the PlayStation account I log in successfully when I go to change my password it asks me to re-log in and it tells me that my account like online ID has been changed and I go to my email and it says congratulations you've successfully changed your online ID if this wasn't you you can go to sony.com slash support <laughs> so Sony allows you to change your login credentials without a confirmation and am i wrong or is th- is that the only service that does that because if you attempt to change your contact email or username or whatever for any other service they send you a link that says click this link to confirm the change if you didn't do this don't click anything uh, i've only seen that for passwords for a lot of places for for many other things it's not like that 
yeah, it I just would lets say, you change it. Yeah, for me, I've yeah. had a lot of things where I've I've changed the account associated with stuff, the email account, like my Facebook accounts like that, my PayPal accounts like that, where I've gone in and said, I don't want it to be my Gmail anymore. I want it to be something else. Uh, because at one point I was going to quit Gmail and Google services sure. altogether, and then that was a terrible idea and is almost impossible. Um, <laughs> so I went in and, and started changing stuff, and I was amazed the number of things where I go in and say, uh, I want to change the email address, and it just let me change it. I would get an email confirming after the fact your account was successfully updated or your name was changed or email was changed or whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of things let you change it without a confirmation. It's interesting you mentioned the emails like that because that seems to be the weak link in all, in basically For all sure. of the internet security. Yes, Gmail. absolutely. Gmail and internet. Okay. There's this case a couple of years ago, this guy who has the at and Twitter account. And the way that he was hacked into was his, his Twitter email was a custom email domain that went to that was hosted on GoDaddy, and the hacker okay. got into GoDaddy, changed all the information, so he lost control of that account, and then started doing password resets through there. Oh my gosh! Um, and so, right, so he got access to his domain. Yeah, he got access to his domain. Got access to eventually then to Twitter. Uh, he was um, uh, he was extorted basically into releasing his Twitter account. Um, and wow. eventually. They got it all straightened out, but like the, it seems to me that there's two main sources of internet security issues. The first is a password, and the second is anything connecting your accounts together. Sure. Which these sure. days is increasingly more and more, especially when you have like one login through Facebook or Google or that kind of thing. Right. Right. Ugh. Ugh. I, I will say, um, I think the uh, the service even maybe higher level than a single sign-on thing though is just an email account and that people have i know it, it's dumb and it drives me nuts that i have the email accounts that i have but like, thank you for it. i think i think i have eight eight email accounts and i use them all for different things but if you use one email account for all of your social media stuff for example once they break into that that's kind of the end of it yeah yeah, that's exactly right. Because once you get to that like source that's like, connected to everything else, the rest of it's lost because it can all be reset to that point. Exactly. Um, so just to like sort of elaborate, I guess what happened then. So I guess it was my surprise that you didn't have to do any confirmation to change your email for Sony because I know that's that's the practice if you're switching like Gmail or if I'm switching my um, like Xbox Live name or whatever. Right? There's all these confirmations, but apparently it's not super um, uncommon. Anyway, so it gets changed, and so now I can't log into my PlayStation account. So then the next thing I, I obviously do is go to my PayPal to attempt to disconnect my PayPal services, like my because you can do these like you know pre-approved services that have um, pre-approved services that have access to your PayPal account to whatever service you've approved it for. So I have it you know set up to my Xbox and PlayStation, but I don't have to always enter my password. And I go into my PayPal account and attempt to disconnect the um, attempt to disconnect my PlayStation and or any of the sources of funding that would be disconnected. So I can't disconnect PlayStation. Like, I can't find how to do that in my frantic search. And so I am like, all right, I'll just dump all my, I'll dump my bank account and I'll dump my credit card because I can always re-add those after this is all cleared up. Not a big deal. And I go to dump my bank account, which is the main one I'm, you know, because I have like a secondary bank account for PayPal, but it still has some money in it. <clears throat> and I go to dump that and it says, sorry, you can't disconnect this right now. There's a pending transaction. <laughs> oh. So now I'm stuck. I'm like, oh, crap. All this person has to do is just run the bill up and they're going to get all the, like, they're going to empty out my PayPal account and then, you know, whatever's left in my bank account from my PayPal. So, like, this is ridiculous. So then I contact. And so before, I think, 
right after I ran into this wall. Then I went to Sony support because I first had tried to go to Sony support and Sony's support was a redirect loop. Like the few different things that they had sources to, it was either like a bad URL or it was a redirect loop that would take you back to like playstation.sony.com, like their homepage. So none of it was helpful. I finally got to the place where you could attempt to chat by inputting your problem. And it said, and it, after I put input all my information, the feedback I got was the whole screen went white. Like the webpage was entirely white with a red line of single text that said, please wait, it could, it will take up to 30 minutes to connect to someone to chat with. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, this is nightmare town. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Excuse my language. So exactly, nightmare town. So I'm sitting here like trying to figure out how to disconnect my services and save my money because I'm figuring that this guy's just going to like run up the bank on NBA 2K16. Like he's going to own every franchise in his league or whatever and like have every piece of DLC or whatever. And no more charges came through. Got to talk to the PlayStation person. They asked me to like, they asked me to verify. Actually, they didn't ask me to verify. They just said that they were going to send um, a reset code to the original email that I had used to set up my account, which was not the email that um, has was currently connected. And my e- and all through this, my email accounts were completely secure because I have two-factor authentication on all of my email. Um, but so the, the person, Judith, sends me, says that she's sending me the link and I should check my spam and, you know, whatever, trash folders, junk and spam folders, and I do that and it doesn't come through. And apparently their email is like 15 minutes delayed coming through, which is ridiculous. So, and that has to be their side because Gmail's relatively instant, right? Yeah. Um, so I get the finally get the email after after going upstairs to find the serial number on my PS3 because that's the alternate route you can get a reset code sent to you from and if you do that then you can choose what email your reset code goes to so I chose a different email right when I did that and she sent it the first one came through so then I waited another whatever ten minutes for the second one to come through got it reset it got control of my account reset the password changed everything and locked it down but now and then the the golden comment that that person gave me was. Um, According to our terms of agreement, you know, or whatever, we don't, all sales are final, but we'll do you this one courtesy and <laughs> try to get your money back. Uh, and I just wanted to give a big middle finger. I was like, are you kidding me? This is such ridiculous. Like I have, I verified all the information. I could like forward the, you know, the account creation email. I had all the information and still they're like, well, you signed up for this service. So don't blame us that you got bent over on some <laughs> brute force bot or whatever. Just imagine if, discover or somebody like a credit card company was like eh, well you have the credit card and it's your responsibility to keep it safe we're sorry <laughs> that, that somebody stole it but you're on the hook for that brand new bmw yep. they just bought that's exactly right yeah what? according to the user agreement all sales are final however i will submit your refund request for review but please keep in mind that if a refund is approved it will be done as a, a gesture of goodwill and it's a one-time offer man <laughs> she I mean, thanks thanks the big part of the problem here is that passwords are just bad from a usability perspective, right? They are. They're real bad. So the common, there's tons of rules you have to follow making a password. Uh, there's this list on kaki.org of really bad password requirements. There's things like it must be exactly eight characters long. It must contain at least one letter, one number, one special character. But it has to have two numbers that can't be next to each other. Or it has to have two numbers <laughs> that are next to each other. It, can't, it contains certain words. And that right there is a big sign that, that that's bad password. The point is that we've been trained for a long time, as uh, I pointed out in XKCD, that we've been trained to, for, to, to, for passwords that are really hard for us to remember, but are really easy for computers to guess. Because mm-hmm. what you want is a long password, not a short password with a lot of characters in it, because that's easier to guess than, than something that's much longer. 
Right. He's got this great comic where he shows that all you have to do is have a sentence, and that solves a lot of your password problems. Yeah. Not even a sentence, just random words. Right, yeah, anything. I, actual I, like, words. Just me to remember. Yeah. Because this part of this is like, I remember there's a big push to do passphrases at mm. one point, right? Not passwords. Yeah. My bank actually has that where it's, that's, that's the recommended password algorithm is it's like, don't create a password. It has to be at least three words long separated by spaces. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's nice. Here, briefly, I'll give you my, my resolution. So then I got it. I got my account restored. I immediately went to, um, to look for a couple things. Um, so one was to change my password, and then the second was to add two-factor authentication to my account. And Sony does not offer two-factor authentication, so then I was cursing more. So I don't like. I feel like I'm going to close out my PlayStation account because this is just—it's ridiculous. What's and I don't even know that if... Amazon doesn't support doesn't offer two-factor authentication either. Amazon is becoming increasingly a payment backbone for a lot of infrastructure. Why doesn't Amazon offer two-factor? That's ridiculous. Because they want you to be able to do that um, one-click buy. And by having oh, because two factors, those, those go against each other, like, yeah. fundamentally are different, where one of them is like, this is an instant way to buy something, and the other one is like, this is a break point in the process, slow you down, and those just don't yeah. comport with one another. That's great yeah, until right. they get a huge data breach. Right. And mark my words, it's <laughs> <What>? humming. <laughs> Ooh, words marked, words marked. I mean... It, one of these days, just assume that anything on the internet is going to get hacked into and everyone's public information, personal and private information will be revealed. Because the truth is the internet is not built to be a private or even secure internet exchange or information exchange method. It's, it was designed to be open at all costs. And any right. security we have on top of it is just sort of jury rigged on top of this open system. That's interesting. I guess that would... Wait, so how does that conflict with something like bitcoin right because bitcoin is then a system built for secure transactions as opposed to being a system built for open transactions with secure you know no no bitcoin is is made to be a system that is not necessarily secure but honest so the way bitcoin works is that you have a blockchain and that is essentially (laughs) an enormous public record of every exchange that has happened in bitcoin to keep everybody honest okay yeah and so, but that like that that's totally insane. If you wanted to build a secure system, you wouldn't require that everyone has to know everyone else's business in order to make sure that everything is secure. But you don't have to. You don't have to know everybody else's like end business. You just know the past business, correct? Because right, you don't but, know who actually owns all the different accounts. No, that's true. But just having to keep a record of all that is an insane way to build a system. Sure. So my question I mean, to you like, guys is: is if passwords are bad, what do we do to fix that? Four-digit pins on everything. Really? <laughs> no. It's like what? Let's let's shorten that right up. Okay, three-digit. You got me. Yeah. I will uh, say, like, w- when I was using like secure variants of Outlook, it like it forced me to increase my pin length from four to six, which I thought was interesting. Like, oh, okay, so there is some minimum security bump. With all this talk with the San Bernardino iPhone, like there was talk about iPhone pin lengths and how a four-pin a four pin code is so much faster to break into than a six and even a six is like limited to months instead of days yeah it's like an exponential increase right they they had said and i know uh what is it uh comey the fbi director had said like 20 some odd minutes for a four-digit pin assuming that they could get past the delay feature 
Right. right. So, but even adding that in, it was like less than two hours with a four-digit pin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's unsettling, right? This is this is the same conversation that we had years ago with like wireless network security, where they're like, "Okay, if you want to have your Wi-Fi be secure, don't make your password password, and actually you should have it be." And then you know the typical password suggestions come with like passphrases and varied you know numeric like alphanumeric combinations because people who have like a four or five character password for their wi-fi you can just sit outside their home and hack it in like 30 minutes well and that's the other thing is that so few people actually add security to their wi-fi anyway or if they do they just leave as the default password yeah that's true i found that when i was uh i was downtown chicago a couple months ago for a, a project and I was at the, a hotel for this convention thing and we had a couple hour break and I was wandering around down in the city and I was like, oh, I want to jump on Wi-Fi. Uh, let me see if I can find anything. <laughs> I just pulled out my iPhone and walked down the street and it was like every 10 feet there were like three or four more open networks just hanging out. And we're not oh talking God, just like... Driving. Yeah. Wow. So. So there's always something, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah there's, al- there's always an open Wi-Fi, but people don't even realize that those are open. I mean, it was, it was things like, you know, Jenny's apartment, uh, Joey's mom's such and such's, and like it wasn't like it was restaurants or stores or something that had Wi-Fi. It was just like people's apartments. Right. Man, or it's... two two wire eight one six four. It gets really bad when people are on that open Wi-Fi or people are pretending that they're an open Wi-Fi password or network because a lot of devices will connect to things automatically. Uh, and then as, as soon as somebody has access to you and you're not using somebody to secure your network connection, they can see basically anything that you're doing. And not a lot of people know what a VPN is and that they should be using one for their banking information when they're on public net or public Wi-Fi networks. And so now you right. go to Starbucks, you say that you're like AT&T open access or whatever it's called. And now suddenly the next person who decides they want to see how much money they have left in their checking account is passing their connection information to you over the internet right right yeah that scares me like if you knew what to look for how simple it would be to grab right and i i think a lot of the problems that people have with this sort of thing falls at the feet of how bad the password is at securing something so back so to your original question <laughs> yeah let's go back what, to the question then so <laughs> what's the solution yeah, what, Exactly, right. So then the other one that we can obviously talk about that exists, it's biometric authentication, right? So we right. most people have experienced this via the iPhone. If you've gone to Disney World, they have this associated with their tickets, right? Like your ticket is tied with your fingerprint. Which, um, could, could we just say how totally insane it is that Disney uses biometric authentication, but my bank doesn't? Yeah, I know, right? This is, well, okay, resources-wise, it doesn't. that's not that surprising, especially if they were, I think they probably built a lot of that in-house. Um, yeah, I just, it, that Disney considers their tickets associated with a specific person would be more valuable than my bank thinks my money is. I don't know if that statement's true. There's probably, there's, it doesn't mean, because they don't have one measure doesn't mean that all measures are equivalent. Like they have other measures in place to take precautions and security. And, but I agree with the sentiment that they should at least be doing, they should be doing like the minimum that other places are doing for non, you know, like life securing amounts of money. Um, but looking at biometric authentication, right? So that seems like an obvious one because my fingerprint is my fingerprint. You have to like pull some crazy Mission Impossible to like get my fingerprint on your phone, or or like like subtly like slide my hand under under the phone as I'm passed out or something, right? That's really not like a normal thing. 
But the problem that you could potentially have with biometric authentication is that there's there's some, at least this is true of a couple of years ago, but there's a Wired article I remember that we talked about um, biometric authentication having legal ramifications for um, being able to take the fifth. And so the idea is like, if you have a secret locked in a box, so we'll say that the box is now your phone, and your phone is protected with a password, no one can make you, can force you to divulge that information, right? So you can take the fifth. You don't have to really self-incriminate incriminating information so no one can ever you know effectively means no one will get into your into your locked box but if your locked box requires your fingerprint you can force somebody to take action even if it's not saying something so they can force you to put your finger on it which then sort of removes that that legal security so while this is not like a totally practical concern it does raise some interesting concerns from a legal perspective have you guys heard of this absolutely and it's an unfortunate trade-off because uh, as we discussed, like a six-character passcode is not super secure. A fingerprint right. is. That's really secure in a bunch of ways. You don't have to remember the number. You can't trace anything like that. Right. Uh, it's very hard. You, it's hard to hack a finger. Right. So it's unfortunate that the government can compel you to unlock your device with a with, with a a methodology that is actually more secure than something else. Right. That's the sad part. Exactly. And then, I mean, down the biometric road. So, like, uh, you know, circumventing the legal ramifications. You also have other forms of biometric authentication that are happening, right? So there's different computers do like facial recognition to do it. So there's Windows Hello, which is a new one. Um, there's also people who have done heart rate, or not heart rate, excuse me, but like heart rhythm pattern. So everybody has their, you know, has a unique electrical pattern to their actual heart rate on top of everything else being unique to them. And so you could have your electrical pattern be your password for something. So you can like wear a bracelet that grabs it and then your, ba- your bracelet authenticates you know, whatever your password is. So like you imagine walking up to your car, your car unlocks. But the idea is if someone stole your your bracelet that was taking your heart rate or whatever, it would be a disconnected system and then it wouldn't work to unlock anything. And my question That's with really that is, my question with that is, is there not variance within your heart rate? Right, this is like, your signal, which the bummer but, is. So, But can't your, your heart, I mean, because your heart rate can change and things can change within your body, it, it, how, is it a, a constantly... Is it a dynamic reading? No, it, it's it, so you'd have to program it, but then could it fall out of programming because your signal is no longer a match for what your signal used to be? Correct. My understanding was that you have a unique electrical like signature, essentially, like the way that your like the literal waves of your heart heart rate are formed electrically when you look at that signal. You have a unique pattern as one person to, compared to somebody else. So and there's so a lot of. There's a lot of technology now that it allows you to measure heart rate with a camera. Could that be an effective way of doing this? Um, no, I would, I, that's not the same because so the camera uses photoplasmogram, right, or photoplasmography, which is PPG, and that's what the, you know, the Apple Watch has and different heart, or different heart rate sensors. You can even, most people have experienced it when they put your, your finger over the light in their right. camera on their smartphone. That's also a form of PPG. That's measuring the change in color in your skin, and that's using that information to directly um, inference your heart rate so you're sort of getting like we are guessing your heart rate is this based on the change in your skin color because that means that your blood is going through at this rate so your electrical signal would be something different i've so seen it done with different. just like a standard webcam and i believe they are measuring color changes i, I can't remember exactly how, what it was that's yep it's the same technique okay yep it's color change in the skin that's the basis for all this stuff which is why you have like when you look at those sensors like that green light shines that's to help so you can see the blood flow change i see yeah, the same reason why you put your finger on the light over you know, next to your camera when you do the heart rate apps on your phone. 
But the so then the overarching issue with the electrical signal for your heart, and this is the real bummer, is we, now we have this like you have these you know singular true things that are identifying characteristics of yourself, like these biometric passwords, like fingerprint. I'm going to do the Mission Impossible jelly fingers, right, or whatever. Okay, right. fixed it. Um, if I'm going to do face, I'm just going to hold somebody's unconscious face up against their computer or cut their head off or, or like all these like crazy sci-fi scenarios. But your heart rate, you'd have to spoof in a very specific way. So the downside is once it is inevitably hacked and copied that someone has your electrical heart mm. signal, like no what else it. is there? Yeah, you, that's you really the can't change your face either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, you get it though, right? Like once that's hacked, then I don't yeah. know what's left. Someone will have to find something else that's super unique to you that isn't hacked. But t- Taking all of them together, I mean, if you look, if you do like a retina scan, fingerprint, heart rate, uh, like yeah. palm print, all these things at the same time, like tongue prints, or whatever. Sure, uh, whatever. <laughs> or even if you have like three of those, that's substantially harder to hack. And I think we're actually going to be moving towards that is where it will become more common and the sensors to measure these sorts of things become more and more common. Uh, there's been talk over that Apple might be incorporating retina scanners into the next version of the iPhone. And that seems sure. far-fetched, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be that far down the road. And if you, all you have to do is look at your phone and then your Apple watch will measure your heart rate and identify it to you. You look at your phone, it does a scan and then you just touch the fingerprint reader and that gets you into everything. That seems so much more secure than remembering a single password. In that sense, your two factor would be your retina and your thumb. It's so like it three would, factor. It would... It's your body. It like just wow. by being you and being alive. Yeah, but it's like your multi-factor, right? Yeah, it's whatever. However many it's it's a multi-factor into. authentication, but it's multiple biometric factors. I like right. I like the idea that I want to order toilet paper from Amazon. I'm like, <laughs> welcome, But it's Chase. so that somebody can't order a thousand rolls of toilet paper. No. Yeah, I totally am on board with it. I just, you know, it's the idea that seems, it's still silly because it's not implemented. Until it's implemented, it will be sort of slightly off. It's funny you mentioned that toilet paper because that exact thing happened with the Amazon dash buttons. I was listening to another podcast and one of the, the hosts on it received a notification on their phone when the plumber was working on their sink that a bunch of toilet paper had been ordered for them. And he assumed that either the plumber saw the button and pushed it or just accidentally pushed it. Yeah, exactly. That's really good. And I do th- believe I think that's that the- there are settings within Amazon for the dash buttons where you can limit the number that are ordered. Sure. Yeah. Right, cause I, because it's a, it's a whole kid thing too. Is like, right. let's say it's you have one. it in your laundry room to order detergent. If but your that's child walks to in. Here. Right. But if your child walks in and hits the button eight times, like you're going to get eight... <laughs> Two gallon jugs of laundry detergent. No, you you set it up so you can only order one in a twenty four hour period because nobody's going to go through an entire thing of detergent in a day. Your dog chews on it or something, right? But yes, but but this is the trade off between security and ease. And right. are you willing to sacrifice some security and potentially uh, your storage space when you suddenly have to put away sixteen gallons of laundry detergent just so you can have this button to press? <laughs> we already know that's true, though, right? Like we've seen people trade away security for for simplicity years and it's the only time that people really begin to have this conversation is once it affects you and i feel like right. that's the like the greatest truth until you're hacked or whatever it's not really a concern which is the, i think and again we'd lay this all at the feet of the password because people passwords are hard to remember they don't do a really good job securing things and you have to have so many of them yes like I just agree. just for work i have five different passwords just to deal with the various things in here and i'm one person that's five passwords and it's five different usernames like security is a joke for this sort of thing and it's because it's just it's a bad interaction yeah i agree you guys you guys use like a one password or a password aggregator or you don't have to answer if you don't want to but yes. i do i do you both do okay do you do you have a preferred service or do you have multiple services that you've heard good things about i'm trying not to pigeonhole you into saying what you use uh, i use one password i do too Okay, okay. I like 
I've, I've long thought about moving to that because I have, like you said, I've got like, you know, 15, 20 passwords like rattling around at any time. Then they're changing, you know, every month or so one is changing. So there, there's always one that's different, you know, like the last three or four incarnations of each because you try them and you know, right. until you get it right. And I've thought about moving to 1Password or some similar service, but I, fundamentally, I still feel weird about giving all of my passwords to somebody who then just has to focus on this one company. And then once they break that, then they have all of my stuff like that seems, still seems weird. Well, yes, but the 1Password infrastructure, and this is actually that exact fear is why I pick 1Password over the iCloud keychain, was because 1Password ties into a bunch of different infrastructures, which means more security. So they have to break like my 1Password password, my email password, and my Dropbox password, all in order to get the information they need out of this. Exactly. Oh, okay. Because because 1Password doesn't actually hold the keys or any of your passwords. It is just accessing a database file basically that's living in whatever service you store it on okay yeah that's interesting and it's all encrypted yeah right that's interesting okay i'd be more i need to look at that then realistically it's actually so the great thing about one password is not the desktop implementation it's the implementation on the iphone because it allows you to use touch id which is your fingerprint to unlock the password vault which is a biometric way of dealing with it and so what you do is you go to a form i don't know passwords for my bank anything like that i can't like, you can't take them out of my brain because they don't exist in there. Right. Uh, and so I just touch my finger to the thing. It logs in my bank. I'm good to go. And right. you actually use 1Password, I assume, to generate those. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Which is another so, huge thing about 1Password is you can say, use random characters, make it longer or shorter, or use words, separate by hyphen, space, period, comma, underscore. And I only know that because I'm looking at the little thing right now. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But you can, you can tell it to characters. generate... Right. You can tell it to do however complex or simple of a password and it will it will generate the password for you and associate okay. it with whatever email address you put in and then it stores it and then you never have to know the password as long as you know how to access your one password vault. And what's really great about that is it makes it trivial to have insanely secure passwords. Like we set up Trello, I have a thirty two random character password for Trello. Right, exactly. Because now there's no reason not to have high security for everything. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's no concern to you. Right. Okay, so then, so now, now I get to pitch the solution to the, authentic, the biometric authentication if that's like, you know, this, you have this multi-layered security, presumably with, with some, if not multiple, of those multi-layers having two-factor authentication themselves, right? So mm-hmm. um, that all becomes way more robust in security. So the security, the hyper-paranoid security version then is to have a one-password account where your passwords are stored that you don't even know that are really secure, you use biometric authentication, and then to save yourself the potential legal ramifications is that every day you have some like check-in or, or or alternatively you give like a mayday button that you could press and then the mayday button would detach authentication, your biometric authentication would require passwords again. And like you would know the reset password, like you'd know like the one true reset. So like my home security system, I know the safety word to that, that only like, you know, that my wife and I know. So that's like the overriding superseding word that will never be given out to anybody, right? So you could have something like that that you would never have to divulge, but it could be the missing link to you know disconnect your disconnect reconnect your biometric from everything else. Yeah, so, you're basically you're describing the nuke button. Yeah, exactly. I want a nuke button for for one password. Right. Now here is a, a delightful feature of one password um, in relation to biometrics. I just pulled up the app real quick. Um, Touch ID is required every time you leave the app or after 10 minutes of being unused. And then also, after your device is restarted, you have to enter the password once 
before Touch ID works. So it kind of has that Mayday feature where uh-huh. really all you would have to do is once a day shut off your phone and turn it back on. And now you can no longer be rec- you, you would have to enter the password physically to unlock one Shoot. password. Oh, interesting. So until you actually put that in your biometric right. wallet. So it, it, it basically, once it just, it's just like the, the iPhone 5C with the San Bernardino thing, you had to put in the, pass, the passcode or the password to unlock it before all these other things worked because the device was restarted. So using sure. that same check-in. I think even it's built into the Apple security ecosystem, and so that means that tokens expire after like 90 days or something like that. So even oh, okay. if your phone doesn't turn off all, all the way, if it's, just, if it's been 90 days, you're going to have to do it in. Because I've noticed that occasionally... Like, my phone isn't turned off or anything like that, but I still have to enter my password again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it's a real pain because it's a long password, and I'm typing it on a touchscreen, and I just want to use my thumbprint to buy this thing. Yeah, but this is, like, the minor pain you pay for the rest of the convenience, right? Right. I'm on board. The other important thing with 1Password that right now slows a lot of people down from using a service like that, especially on on iOS, and I assume Android is similar, um, is that apps don't always have integration for it. And you have to do that thing mm-hmm. where you're either ping pong between apps and jumping out to one password and copying, and then it's in your clipboard, and then you're pasting, and then yeah, that whole there's a security issue there, or um, you know, some of them don't don't let you jump back out, so you have to like look at it and like write it down. And now you have it on something else. There's all these other complications that happen within that. Things like Trello. I noticed today when we when we set that up, I had logged in on the web. I had set my password through one password. It saved it to my vault. I went to the app, and there was a little key-looking thing or a little uh, lock. You tap that, and it says, would you like to sign in with one password? I say yes. It jumps out to one password, grabs my information, populates it, and it's done. So more apps and services should integrate that kind of functionality for, I guess, convenience, but also for the, the security aspect of it. I yeah. think one interesting limitation of all this is, especially if we decide that biometric authentication is the right way to do things, is that if you die now, like and if you rely on heart, your heartbeat to get into an account sure. and you die now, perhaps you can't get your wife can't get into your bank accounts I, or so, your husband cannot do anything to shut stuff down. And you sort of exist as this weird digital ghost. OK, we have to. We have to talk about that. That's to be its own. Like, I want to talk about that with you guys. It has to be its own thing, and because I actually ran across this, I just have to interject because it's it's a huge conversation. I think it's totally relevant. But Facebook actually has a feature where you can set your legacy contact. Yeah, and that's literally it. Okay, so yeah, we have to talk about that. Yes, mine's will be blown. Probably not. 